or age. I said, yes, I am. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you this morning. Lord, your word is indeed a lamp unto our feet. We ask that you'll guide us. Father, help us to understand your word. We know that faith comes through the hearing of your word, so we claim that promise. We also claim the promise in Revelation chapter 1 that says, if we read the words of this book and do them, that we will be blessed. So, Lord, we need to be blessed so that we can bless you and bless others. So, Father, thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting how this message got formed this this particular day. Um, it seems like I always get a message out of some experience that I have. And so last Friday I was at the gym and I walked in and there was uh, uh, just people kind of milling around and I just happened to notice that there was Two guys, probably in their 60s, that were uh, standing over my machine, just talking, which is very normal. And so I went to the locker room and changed and came out and went to the other side of the gym and did uh, several sets of uh, different weights and this type of thing. And then I came back over to the other side of the gym. I happened to notice that these two guys were still talking. And so I worked out over there. I did a total of. Uh, See, I did a total of 10, probably 14 sets of different exercises at 20 reps each. So that's, uh, whatever that is, 280 repetitions. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I went to the locker room to shower, et cetera, I noticed that these two guys were still talking. And I thought to myself, okay, when they go home, and their wife asked, did you have a good workout? I think you said, right? You know? Oh, yeah. It was, oh, yeah. We did work out. You know, sometimes we need to practice what we preach. In fact, we need to do that all the time. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Practicing what we preach. Um... In the book of Revelation, we studied several months ago the letters to the seven churches, which are in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Listen to what the Lord says to the church in Laodicea. Okay? Now, Laodicea was uh, the last church that he wrote his letter to. Laodicea was a, in a very wealthy area. The city was wealthy. And the church was wealthy. And uh, in that area of, of, uh, of the world, they had a couple of different industries that were interesting. Number one is they made wool. So wool was a big deal then. And then they also made eye sap. Okay? And it's interesting that the Lord uses both of these things in his letter to these people. Here's what he says. I'm in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. He says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea writes, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. 
So this is coming directly from Jesus Christ. He says, I know your deeds. Now, can you imagine if the Lord was saying this to you? I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. It's interesting because in that particular city, they got their water from an aqueduct system that, that started out as a spring quite a ways away. And when the water started into the aqueduct, it was quite cold. But when it got down to the city, it was lukewarm. So Christ uses this example in his letter here. He says, I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are, that's uh, present tense, they were presently lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. What he says. I'm a, he didn't do it yet, but he's about to. He says this, you said, so this is what the church, this was the mantra of the church. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Interesting that they would be a provider of wool, but yet Jesus would call them naked. Interesting that he would call them blind, and one of the major industries was this ISAP. So he continues on, he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear. So that, so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Now this next couple of verses, uh, many people use in witnessing people, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but he is technically talking to Christian people. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So what he's saying is, is this. And if you've ever seen that picture of Jesus standing at the door and, you know, with blonde hair, blue eyes. It's a beautiful picture. I'm not too sure Jesus quite looked like that, but the point is this, is that there was no doorknob on the outside. You ever noticed that? Okay? The doorknob's on the inside. So he says, you know, I, I want you to open the door so that I can come in and be intimate with you, have supper with you, eat with you, which is, of course, one of the most intimate experiences you can have. It's interesting, I'm going to read to you from James chapter 3. And what I really want you to do, and I want me to do too today, is I want, to think, I, want, I want us to think about these words. Now listen to me. This is the instruction manual for life. If you don't follow it, where are you going to end up? Okay, You're going to end up messed up. I know, I speak from experience, okay? And I'm sure many of you do too. James chapter 3, verse 13 says this. And I'll be in James, I'm sorry, James chapter 3, verse 14. He says, what good is it, my brothers, 
Who's he talking to here? Christianese, yes. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? He's going to answer that in just a minute. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Oh, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's like faith, faith is the root and fruit uh, and the uh, flower is the fruit. He says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. This answers the question of, can such faith save him? You believe that there is one God? Good, even the demons believe that. <laughs> you know, hypocrisy is one of those things that we all have to deal with every day. And I've heard people say this, oh, I don't go to church because there's so many hypocrites there. <laughs> True statement. Right? We're all hypocrites. You're looking at the main one right here. Okay? A hypocrite is what? Well, if you look at the definition, a hypocrite is one who portrays something that is actually something else. This would be someone, for example, who comes up and hugs you and says, Love you, brother, but inside they're going, Boy, I can't stand you. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Very suspicious. Let me give you some examples, some biblical examples. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Peter ended up being a hypocrite in Galatians chapter 2. Let me read it to you, okay? Galatians chapter 2 says this. So, Peter, remember when uh, he studied in Acts and uh, Peter went to the house of was it Cornelius? Cornelius? And anyway, they, yeah, I think it was Cornelius. And so he was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. And so Peter went up on the roof and these this 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 sheep came down with various things in it to eat. And the things that were in this contained in the sheep were some things that were against the Jewish law. And Peter says, No way, man, I'm not eating anything that's against the Jewish law. And the Lord said, I made everything good, you know, so you're okay. Well, so Peter then realized that Gentiles were going to become a part of the family of God. Paul was the one that originally kind of brought this out. And in Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 11, here's what it says. Galatians 3.11. Paul is writing here. Galatians 2.11. Did I say 3? Galatians 2.11. Sorry. Galatians 2.11 says this. This is Paul writing. He says, When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. 
before certain men came from James, James was the leader of the Jerusalem church, which was basically a, a Jewish congregation, okay? So these men were probably Jews. He says, before certain men or certain Jews came from James, the church there in Jerusalem, he used to eat with the Gentiles, that's Peter. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Isn't that amazing? Peter's hypocrisy led to other people's hypocrisy. Now there's another example that I think is very very telling. Look in Acts chapter 15, if you like. Acts chapter 15, and I'm going to be in verse 36. So Paul had gone on a missionary journey, okay? And he had taken a young guy named John Mark, and sort of, kind of, in the middle of that missionary journey, John Mark, who was young, decided he wanted to go back to Jerusalem, which he did. And Paul kind of held that against him. And here's what it says in verse 36. It says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. So this is another missionary journey that Paul is undertaking. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. This was his cousin. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Here's Paul, really, who God revealed the mystery, the mystery of God, which is that Gentiles and Jews would become part of the same family in Christ. Christ would be in them. And here's Paul, whom this, he had this experience with this very young believer that wanted to go home. He wanted to go home. And he did. And Paul said, I'm taking him again. You go ahead and take him. I'm taking Zacchaeus. And they had such a sharp disagreement against between Paul and Barnabas that they parted company. You see, that's hypocrisy, isn't it? You know, we all make mistakes. You know, it says in the Bible that love does not keep a record of wrongs. If you're keeping a record of wrongs, on somebody, especially if it's family, church family, your immediate family, then that's not love. That's not love at all. Let me go on. In Mark chapter 10 is a very interesting story. Mark chapter 10, this is the story of the rich young man. And I think it's important that we read it. I'm going to be in Mark 10, 17. Now, listen to what he says. It says, as Jesus started on his way, 
a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Now, so my impression is if you fall on your knees before someone, you're kind of humbling yourself before that person, are you not? Okay. So obviously this young man was humbling himself before Jesus. And he says, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Legitimate question. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. So what Jesus was saying here, which you have to kind of read into the text, is he's saying, listen, God is the only good one. Why are you calling me good? Do you believe I'm God? Do you believe I'm who I say I am? Do you believe I'm God come in the flesh? So this rumor said this, or Jesus said this, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. That's just a portion of the commandments. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there are 613 commandments in the Jewish law. Thank God we don't have to uh, memorize all those, huh? The young guy says, teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Now, my first reaction, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, really? <laughs> really? Doesn't Jesus say that there is no one good? Not, no, not one. There was no, no one that really obeys God. Not one. And so this this young young uh, ruler was probably just a little bit egotistically deceived about himself. Oh, I've kept all these commandments. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, if you think it in your heart, you've done it. You look on a woman with adultery, commit adultery. If you uh, get angry at someone to the point of uh, rage, you've committed murder. And, you know, that's, that's pretty serious stuff if you think about it, right? Now, so, so Jesus, of course, looked at him and says in verse 21, this is Jesus for you. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus knew. Jesus knew this guy had kept all of the commandments since he was young. But he did see some sincerity in him. And he says this, one thing you like. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. So the Lord Jesus would say, listen, I'll tell you what you can do. I want you to sell all your worldly goods, and you can have treasure in heaven. That's the trade-off, okay, that he offered this guy. It says, then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. You know, in Luke 21, verses 1 to 4, you don't have to turn there, it talked about rich people who put money in the offering plate at the temple. Now, if you don't know anything about that, the rich, and this is, from tradition or from custom, 
the, the rich people would come in, those that wanted to make a show, and they would bring in coins, and they would drop the coins into pot. Now, what happens when you drop coins into a pot? Yeah, clinks. Makes noise. So if you drop a dozen coins into a pot, it's like, whoa, how much did you give? Jesus said that they gave out of their abundance, but it says that a poor widow came and she dropped just a portion of a penny into the offering plate, but yet she gave all she had. You know, do we make a show, not necessarily of giving, but do we make a show of being a Christian when in fact what that's exactly what we're doing? The word hypocrite in the Greek hypocrites, that's what we get the word hypocrite from that G, uh, Greek word, means to speak from behind a mask. And you have seen in these plays where they have one mask and on this side of the mask, it has a sad face. And on this side of the mask, it has a happy face. So then they will turn so that they're either being happy or sad. And that's how plays went on in old times. And so Jesus says, don't speak from behind a mask. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22. And if you're going to, you know, if, if you're going to, Pare this down to the lowest common denominator, okay? If you're going to get to the basic root of what God wants from you, this is it. Here's what he says. In Matthew chapter 22, I'm going to be starting in verse 36. In fact, I'll start from verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you said that. Listen to what he says here. All the law and the prophets, that would be 613 laws, all the law and everything that the prophets said hang on these two commandments. See, we don't have to remember the 613 commandments. All we've got to remember is love God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. <coughs> Some people are hard to love. Some people don't really mesh with our personalities, do they? Going back to the guys at the gym. <laughs> Last night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I had to get up and take two handbills. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Oh, oh gosh. So it's so smart to them. <laughs> yeah, and I'm here this morning. <laughs> Love. You know, God loves us even 
because you know we are fairly unlovable. You know, I always say to the Lord, Lord, I have nothing to offer you. Is that true or false? It's true, isn't it? When it comes right down to the nitty-gritty, what do I have to offer God that he needs or that he doesn't have? Nothing. What he wants is he wants me to worship him. He wants me to love him. Why? Is he some kind of an egomaniac? No, because there's something in it for me. It's like, if I learn to love God, then I am going to be having that inner joy, that inner happiness, that inner peace that comes from a relationship with the living God. We need to learn to love God, my friends, and we need to learn to love each other. The Bible, nowhere in it says you have to like each other. Okay? But you do have to love each other. What, how can you love someone you don't like? You pray for them. Exactly. And you know, it's, it's interesting because the Bible says that we're supposed to pray for our enemies, right? I'll tell you a little story. When my wife, who I loved really with all my heart, decided to run off to Las Vegas and be a dancer. Mm-hmm. She ran off with another guy. And for the, I won't say the longest time, but for a time, I thought of various ways I could torture him. Meaning to his minds. Okay? Now, we all know that is love, right? No, we, we can agree with that. Okay? Can you blame me? No. Not really. No. However, here's what I found. I found that as I prayed for them, her, for him, etc., that hatred, that, 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 that stress, that, that gripping annoyance started to leave. And as I prayed for him, I actually kind of felt sorry for him. <laughs> but you see what I mean, okay? We can love someone, even someone we kind of hate, even someone we just simply don't see eye to eye on, eye to eye with, somebody that we wouldn't keep within our close uh, circle of friends. We can love those people. And you know what? That's exactly what Christ wants us to do. He wants us to love each other. But let me go on just a little bit more. Love is the greatest commandment. Here's what it says in First John chapter 2. You don't have to turn there. I'll be in verse 4. Here's, listen to this carefully, okay? First John 2, 4 says this. The man who says, I know him, that would be, I know God. But does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him 
must walk as Jesus did. <laughs> he says this, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old command which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Listen to what he says now. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness, walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness is blinding him. You know, when I was laying in bed thinking of ways to dismember <laughs> this particular person, oh, I came up with some very, very creative things, trust me. You know what? It caused me to stumble. It caused me to stumble. Because when I could be thinking about godly things, or happy things, or other things, I was instead of thinking of dark things, right? We can't let that darkness, we have to get rid of the darkness. There is darkness in each one of us, and we need to get rid of it. The Bible says your word is a light, a light, it's a lamp unto my feet. So the more we study this word, the more we take this word in, the more we live by this word, the less darkness we will have inside of our hearts. Well, let me finish up with you. Love is the greatest commandment. It says in the Bible, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith. In James chapter 2, let me read this to you in closing. Here's what it says. James 2, 8. But if you really, it says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, quote, love your neighbor as yourself, end quote, that's the royal law. You are doing right, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever convict, or for whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all of us. We don't want to be a poser. You know what a poser is? A poser is somebody who poses as something they're not. You don't want to be a poser. You want to be a closer. Close the deal. We don't want to be just a talker, but we want to be a walker. Somebody who walks through this life keeping God's work, uh, word. We don't want to be uh, classified as this lay of the sea in church was, as being uh, lukewarm. That's not good either. It says in Romans chapter 13, it says, Love does no harm to its neighbor. Love is the fulfillment.
illness and law. You know, if if I could speak on behalf of God, which um, the word does, of course, I would say this. If God would pick one thing to tell you, one thing that really blesses his heart is to see his children getting along with each other. That's the thing that blesses God's heart. So, what do you think? Do you think we can do that? No? <laughs> okay, we've got a uh, laying on of hands over here. <laughs> Pray with me, would you? Dear Father in heaven, forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me to love all people. Put that in me, Lord. Help me to keep your word. In Jesus' name. Jesus name.